Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, political enthusiast and really on the edge of my seat. Like, let it be over. I can't believe we're here today. Yeah, I am Terry Anulowitz, State House Representative, House District 42 in Cobb County. And this is the week. This is the week, y'all. It, it all, if you haven't already voted early, you have to go vote tomorrow. It's the final countdown. <laughs> so you're rock and roll and I'm like, one day more. <laughs> so we both voted. Um, yes. There, it, it, the day this is dropping is on Monday. And so early voting went on for two weeks. Three. Three weeks. And why is there no voting on Monday, the day before election day? That's a great question, Mara. There is no early voting the Monday before election day Mostly simply because at when in your county, is like in Cobb County, we have multiple early voting locations. They have a higher concentration of voting machines at each of those locations because there are far fewer early voting locations than there are actual election day precincts. So the Monday before election day is when all of these poll workers who are basically volunteers are moving and relocating the voting machines to where they need to go and getting them all set up. They will be working until late into the night on the Monday election eve to make sure that when those polls open at 7 a.m. at the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of precincts throughout Georgia, every one of those machines is ready to go. So Monday is really like prep day. It's the gear up day. It is the gear up day. Well, uh, I hope everybody gets out there and vote. And we're going to talk about like the landscape and all that in a second. Uh, But first, I want to mention Speaker David Ralston has announced that he's stepping down, like literally right before we're recording this. He's announced this. You, your world is rocked by this. This, my, my world personally is rocked. You guys are friends. We are. We are. And I'm, I'm honored that he counts me as a friend and he has, you know, Speaker Ralston, there's so much that can be said about Speaker Ralston. And I also think it's really important that no one, we don't, we're not eulogizing someone who is still very much alive and very much among us and who has said that he is still going to be serving and representing his district in Blue Ridge in the Georgia House come January 2023. But he is a an intellectual and a thinker and someone who respects hard work. And so, you know, like you talked to Scott Holcomb, for example, Uh, he's one of my Democratic colleagues from here in Metro Atlanta, and Scott and the speaker worked side by side. Like the reason we have the like rape kit processing in Georgia and then the reason why we are solving these decades old rape cases in Georgia now is because Speaker Ralston let like made this made this legislation happen because it was it was meeting great resistance in the Senate from Republicans in the Senate and Ralston and Scott Holcomb made this happen. I mean, there there are so many things. The reason you know the speaker did he there are things that the speaker did let through the heartbeat bill, for example. I and I, I believe in my bones that that is not something that he wanted to see happen. I think there was a lot about pressure. Uh, a lot of yes, pressure. Yes, the same thing goes for the bill we had in like the very waning hours of the 2022 legislative session when they when they when they dropped an amendment in a bill that was going that that allowed GHSA the Georgia High School Association to determine whether or not transgender kids could play sports. Okay. I think that was done in large part because it was something that they they thought would help a lot of 
Republicans that were on tenuous ground. And so it was, it was, it was a campaign pandering thing. I think it's terrible policy. Um, from a strategic standpoint, I think that I think it was just a very strategic thing. I don't think in the speaker's heart he he believes and he has any strong opinions about kids playing sports. But so there were those things that happened. But what we really don't talk about much are all of the bananas bonkers things that have not become policy in Georgia because David Ralston made sure they weren't going to become policy in Georgia. And I can talk, I mean, I can tick off my hands. Uh, vaccine bills. Oh my God. Uh, bills that, I mean, yeah, the transgender sports, you know, the children being able to play high school sports, that got through, but there were so many other bills dealing with medical treatment of transgender kids. Oh, the abortion pills, right? Uh, and and yes, the abortion pills. I mean, there are so many other religious freedom issues. There are so many things that he has, he has been the barrier. Just a moderate. A yes. mo- someone who was a moderate, yeah. voice well, of reason, and uh, advocate for mental health, the right. mental health parity. Yes, um, yes. Huge so, advocate for mental health. Huge advocate for transportation and transit. Like, I always remind people, like, when I came in as a freshman midterm in 20, I was sworn in in 2017. 2018 session was my first session. I, you know, I had no clout, no standing, no anything, but I was someone who had been an outspoken advocate in Cobb County during my city council service for improved transit. And he pointed me to the transportation committee and there, you know, Republican chairman, Kevin Tanner kind of took me under his wing and gave me an opportunity to, to be a voice for transit. I mean, it was, he, you know, game recognizes game, I guess. But, but there are so many legislators who I think can tell similar stories of, of the speaker helping them along. You know, I've, it's, it's like I told somebody when I, the first thing I said, and this is very candid and I'm still processing this, but did you see it coming though? <sighs> no, I'd heard rumors. Everyone had heard rumors, mm-hmm. but I, no, I, I didn't, I heard rumors, but I dismissed them. I feel like you're, you're getting very emotional. I am. This is a really emotional thing. I mean, this is, this is the, Stephen Fowler tweeted that this is probably the bigger political news and it will have more of an impact than even who wins the governor's race. And in a lot of ways, I agree with that take. So that means, so so let's unpack that for a minute. Yeah. Does that mean it, it, like it's scary because you had a voice of reason and now you may have election deniers yeah. and, and people yeah. running so the ship that there are, are not. Yeah, there are Republicans who are very excited about this because they didn't believe the speaker was conservative enough. They, you know, they call him a rhino, that Republican in name only. The speaker was a Republican's Republican, Republican by which he, I mean, he was like a Johnny Isaacson Republican. For sure, he was Nathan like a Ronald Deal. Re- exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And, and then unlike Nathan Deal, the speaker was actually always a Republican. Nathan Deal started off as a Democrat. Right. But he was, you know, and because of that, he was very very policy driven and very, you know, had sort of these conservative values, which were limited government. And the GOP has a large faction of folks who are absolutely not limited government folks. They want, you know, the religious freedom stuff. They want, they want so much to be legislated that classic Republicans really were, these weren't issues for them. And so he, there, you know, there are Republicans who are very happy about this. Um, I, disagree with them wholeheartedly. They have a faction in the house. I don't know. I don't know what this announcement from the speaker is going to, is going to do with that sort of, you know, the, our Georgia's version of the freedom caucus, God bless them. Um, but I think there are also Democrats who might be happy about this. And I think that that's a mistake just because, you know, they, there, there are Democrats who don't want any, don't, you know, anything that seems like a bad thing happens to a Republican. They're like, Oh, yay. 
Um, this is really bad for Democrats in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, this I, is really bad for Democrats. I in feel, Georgia. I, I feel like um, I got, I was surprised too. Um, you know, you are surprised, and you're not. I mean, listen, he's not a young man, no. uh, and you know, at some point, you know, you're not. Uh, you're, you're doing this because you're you're of service to the people, and at some point, whatever's going on in your life, you're going to have to make decisions. So, I mean, it's I just I love hearing from you the the relationship that he took you under his wing, that you guys spent some time socially together, mm-hmm. and um, we wish him the best. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, so but we still have like what another year, two. I mean, Two years, he's, yeah, right, but, right. But it's and so that's one. Th- you know, I'm glad he'll still be in the house because one of the things that I can't emphasize enough about going you know, going into the 2023 session, and we'll talk a lot about this, I'm sure, in December yep. when we yep. get closer. But there is a tremendous loss of institutional knowledge in the Georgia House. Uh, you know, you have the dean of the house, Calvin Smyrie, who is, God willing, the United States Senate will get their shit together and appoint, you know, start getting some of these ambassadors appointed because he's going to be ambassador to the Bahamas, um, which is fabulous. Nobody deserves it more. Uh, but but Calvin Smyrie was the longest serving member of the House and he and the Speaker are actually very, very close. Um, the, you know, we, we, we are losing a lot of folks who've been, you know, Terry England, who was head of the, you know, chaired appropriations and, and, you know, we're losing a lot of institutional knowledge. And I think losing that institutional knowledge, one of the things that gave me sort of comfort knowing that the institution of the house was going to continue on and we were still going to be able to serve Georgia was that we were going to have, you know, in all likelihood, have Speaker Ralston at the helm. And now we don't have that. And you couple that with the fact that the Senate is just total chaos, right? Like you've got, you know, uh, the potential for a fake elector to be the lieutenant governor and to be the person in charge of that chamber. And they're, you know, they're having major internal Republican power struggles over there. I mean, what I, my understanding from what I'm hearing, what's happening in the Senate and Jen can tell us more about this, but it is knives out over there. I mean, it is, it is a, a throwdown to figure out who's going to be in control of that chamber. And so the speaker was a very steadying force in, in sort of balancing, you know, whenever there was Senate chaos internally with the Republicans in the Senate, the Speaker was able to balance that out. And, and you know, Speaker Ralston was a very balancing force because Glenn Richardson, his predecessor, was, you know, the Capitol during the Richardson years was a very different place than the Capitol now. You know, it wasn't until Ralston was Speaker that we were able to get a lot, you know, sexual harassment stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, through. that's, uh... for, yeah. Well, we're going to have to keep our eye on yeah. it, but um, I'm feeling for you today because I can feel it. I can feel that it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think this is obviously something we're going to be talking a lot and is why voting matters so much, especially in local elections. Yeah. And will this impact any house yeah. elections? You know, if there are house elections that are kind of on the bubble, yeah. can, you know, if I'm a Democratic candidate running in that house election, I'm saying like, look, these, if the more Republicans they have, the more of a mandate they might think they're going to have to do God knows what. So we need to get dem- more Democrats in these House seats. All right. So um, we'll we'll definitely keep talking about that yeah. because um, I've always heard great things about him. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, the elections are Tuesday. You know, it's we're going to wait and see, you know, what we say is like, because I feel like 
every pundit or every enthusiast or every political activist seems to have a bent. Either it's going to be like a blue wave, a red wave. I mean, no one seems to really feel like there's going to be a blue wave because that's just the way of the world with the, you know, the opposite uh, party, you know, usually does well in the midterms and the party in power. But I'm really interested in talking about First, the people who think it's a red wave. There are a lot of people who are very, very confident yeah. that like this is a gimme, that every that the that the polls are gold. <laughs> Let me pull a clip here. This is from I can't even believe I'd pull a clip from Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> but you know, I kind of think and and here here's what he has to say. The red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think. I think people are just like, what the fuck are you saying? They're making Republicans. I don't know how they're doing it. It's I had a family member who is an who's a boomer and a diehard liberal. And they told me when I was home this summer that they would vote for DeSantis. And I'm like, how did you lose this person? Yeah. How did you lose this person? This is a this is a like go to the ballot and vote blue no matter what. Okay, so that's Bridget Fatesy or Fatesy or she's a like a conservative comedian, okay. and a lot of people like her. Um, but uh, what do we think about that? Uh, first of all, I think what she's saying is total bullshit, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, I, what I think about that is me and my friends is not a representative sample. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I can apply that to me and my friends. Exactly. Uh, where it's like, if I drove 30 miles outside of town and talked to a bunch of women who are my age, you know, living somewhere else, I'm not going to get the same answer. Yeah. But, so, but, but, but Joe Rogan, he's a representation of the way a lot of people feel. Terry. Yeah. No, I know. For better or worse. Okay. Now this is someone now, Michael Moore, I know that's a wild card here, but he has been saying all along um that he does not agree with that and here's uh, him on MSNBC talking about it. They're not going to win next Tuesday. And I know I, I it seems like I have a um, take a minority position on this because the media is full of a lot of how the Republicans are surging and the Republicans are doing so well. And uh, and and so and so this race we're going to lose. And and and, you know, how liberals are, you know, we get all, you know, proclaimed you know, for, for this. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're, we're, we're going to lose. And it's like, no, actually, we're not going to lose. There's more of us than there are of them. And um, to believe that we're going to lose on Tuesday and that they're going to take over, you have to accept certain assumptions. For instance, you have to believe what the pollsters and people have been telling us that uh, since the Roe decision, women were very upset back in June when the decision came down. But now, you know, they've they've kind of collected themselves and they're not so upset because they're thinking more about the price of a gallon of gas or the can of Campbell's soup is up 27 cents. And, and, you know, you know how women are, you know, they're just uh, uh, once they once they hear that the uh, soup has gone up 27 cents a can or the, the gas. What's gas this week now? It's uh, about 22, 20 cents over last year at this sign per gallon. Uh, right away, women are like, yeah, well, I don't need these. I don't need these reproductive rights. You know, I, I want less at the gas pump. <laughs> so so listen, I don't think he's articulating well here. 
like, basically what he's saying, like, and it is weird because yeah. people were like in June, like, oh my God, Dems not, not in disarray. Wow. Dobbs decision. Women are going crazy. I kind of agree with that. And it, that like what if you're upset in June and then you're not upset in October, that's weird. I think so too. I th- I think. What is he getting right and what is he getting wrong? I think that women are continually being underestimated. And I think that women can be upset that the Campbell soup costs more and be frustrated that the soup costs more. I think that women also appreciate when people have a plan for how, you know, how, whatever it is, whether it's inflation, whether it's crime. And I think women contain multitudes and are thinking about their reproductive rights and their daughter's reproductive rights and their daughter's health care and their own health care while also realizing that, yeah, like, you know, these Republicans, you know, they're talking about inflation, they're talking about crime. They haven't told me what they're going to do about it. They haven't told me what they're going to do about crime. And in fact, they're making it easier for my second grade's cla- second grader's classroom to get shot up. So, you know, I, I think that I think that people are tired. I think voters are tired. And so I think that might be some, I think, I think that certain pundits might be misinterpreting voter fatigue as people not caring about, caring about certain issues anymore, but. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. We're, we're, we're in a weird time right now. We're coming, you know, we're on the back. I I think it is safe and fair to say we're on the back end of the pandemic. Um, The pandemic, is there still a pandemic? Yes, there is, but we are on the backside of it. And for now, at least, you know, as of this recording. Um, and we're trying to figure out what's next. And there are so many things that we kind of thought were, were canon, like reproductive rights, that all of a sudden aren't anymore, you know? Right, but I don't see how, like, that's, that's the weird thing. Like, polls, the polling industry, and maybe they're right. And I've been saying that. We've been saying that the past couple of weeks. But I feel like there's something... Maybe this is me just being an optimist. I do think there is something there. I do too. Um, you know, and as far as like women, this was a great clip about the economy. Cause it's like, I, you know, again, like I didn't like the way Michael Ford pr- framed that, like, oh, a can of soup is more money and women, you know, will suddenly change their mind. You know, he sort of, it was a little bit reductive. Well, it's reductive, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, but, you know, Katie Porter, um, who she now has a competitive race in California uh, running for Congress, apparently. I that's, didn't realize that. That's what I've heard is that her race is pretty competitive, but she was on with Jon Stewart and she was kind of talking about, um, you know, how, you know, we talked about last week about how the, uh, you know, abortion is the economy and, you know, the economy and everybody's struggling. And this was her, an, on inflation and all of it, and this was her reaction. Inflation is always complex. Anyone who says, and this is the Republicans all day long, inflation's bad. No shit, Sherlock. Of course, inflation's bad. I, too, go to the grocery yeah. store. So that is not a policy statement, by the way. Congresswoman, put that in your commercial. That You're, you're allowed to use this footage. This was not paid for by taxpayers. I want to see you right now, Congresswoman Katie Porter. No shit, Sherlock. Let's get this done. I mean, that's all Republicans have to say, which is inflation is bad. Well, yes, yeah, folks. Yeah. We, we get that. I just bought Fritos for $4.99. I, I spent $10 to feed these children yeah. Fritos for crying out loud. 
Okay, first of all, Katie, where'd you find the Fritos? Because I was at Publix on Monday, the Halloween, trying to find Fritos, and all they had was chili cheese Fritos, and I'd made chili, and that's redundant, so I couldn't buy the chili cheese Fritos. I was like, God damn it, I have to use scoops. Not the same thing. But no rainbow fentanyl, thank God. No, weird. Yeah, yeah. like I was expecting to see like bodies of children piled up like cordwood in my subdivision. And, you know, shockingly. It, it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. No, oh. but Katie Porter's exact. that's like, they're like, inflation's bad. Gas is expensive. Indeed, you are, you are correct. Um, so that's again. What's your plan, Stan? Well, that's where I really wonder. Every narrative you see there is basically saying, this is going to be a red wave. But I feel like what Katie Porter's saying and the delivery or the, the, the underlying message in Michael Moore was saying, now again, let's face it, we're Democrats. We don't want to see a red wave. No. <laughs> you know, I, you know, this was another interesting, this got a lot of flack. Now, you know, I'm the number one view watcher. And uh, Sonny Hostin had an interesting quote about women, because they're saying, you know, those suburban women, they're going back to the GOP, and and this is the way people are feeling. Well, she had a comment uh, and got a lot of shit for this. So wait, listen to this as far as GOP women. Abortion issue. Um, I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, it's I think like that's they're that's voting, no, it's they're voting against, the voter. We, they're we, voting no, against no. their own self-interest. Do they want to live in Gilead? Okay, do they so do we love it in the hands? Do we love democracy or not? Because just saying that it's it's insulting to the voter. People make up decisions on what's right for their family, and the idea that well, the you should have a say. I mean, I might not have made the roach comparison personally. <laughs> You should see the look on Terry's face. Meanwhile, I was watching that in real time and I was like, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a harsh yeah. analogy. Well, and you know what? This reminds me of something that we, you and I made a deliberate decision not to discuss on last, last week's podcast because we didn't actually think it was going to, to, to linger but that, that mailer that Deborah Silcox set out in House District 53 in Georgia. Right. The one that said it. that she yeah. basically, that in case you missed it, it, the mailer went out, the Republican candidate, the language just basically said, I have grown kids, so I have more time, I have more time. to do my job where my opponent, and she's running against- Kelly Kaufman, who has three little children, and Kelly's a physician. And she's not going to have as much time as I'm going to yeah. have. Finish your thought. And yes. And that, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that like I was talking to a group of women who live in that district uh, again, you know, this morning. And they're like, we're so angry. Like, they're still so angry. It just cut to the bone. And so I think that when, you know, going back to this thing on on The View, I mean, I, I, I think I think I actually think it's reductive to say, you know, I mean, saying Republican women are going to vote for Republican. Well, it's like, well, you literally just said they're Republican, but they're, but they're, I don't know. I think women are going to surprise us. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, and and for the record, for those of us, you know, view fanatics like me, and if you're not, Sonny Hostin, who made that comment, is vehemently pro-life, actually. But she has her view her views have evolved. She basically says she personally is pro-life, but she would never tell anybody else what to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well and also I know a lot of, I know a lot of pro-life Catholics and there are Catholic theologians who are like, look, 
yeah, like abortion is not the choice you want to make. But until we have public policies in place right. to support women and to support children and support family, they're like, which we do not in the right. United States. We we can't make this illegal. <laughs> but Roach is going to raid. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is a, that's an image. That's yes. a visual right there. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's a lot. Um, okay, so. Uh, I do want to get to a big endorsement. Um, it was announced that Dr. Oz was not going to be endorsed by Oprah because, you know, speaking of, you know, daytime talk shows, you know, we all love Oprah. Finally, Oprah. And uh, this is what she said. Everybody was kind of waiting for this. The citizens of Pennsylvania, and of course, but I will tell you all this, if I lived in Pennsylvania, I would have already cast my vote for John Fetterman for many reasons. Okay. So, does that matter anymore? Does that endorsement in Pennsylvania from Oprah matter anymore? I mean, I do kind of blame Oprah for Dr. Oz, but I'm, you know... I love Oprah. I'm of the generation, I'm of that age where I came home from school every day and Oprah came on at four o'clock. And that was, you know, watched Oprah. And I mean, she. I don't don't think we, the thing is the 90s and like the early 2000s, it was so innocent. We didn't realize that we were giving these grifters platforms like what Dr. Oz is taking and what Trump took. I know, but like Dr. Oz actually like started off pretty great, right? I mean, the one thing I remember most about Dr. Oz is going to be so gross. He used to talk like, because I was just like you, my four o'clock Oprah, like that was it. He was on a lot and he would always talk about eating fiber. And like he was like- Oh yeah, the fiber episode. And it was like, your poop should look like an S. Yes. And how many of us have internalized that message? And now we're like, well, I'm doing this wrong. So (laughs) one more thing for women to know they're doing wrong. We can't even poop, right? But but people have said that like Dr. Oz was great and that something happened to him that he totally changed. So I don't, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how much that endorsement means, but uh, just to follow up to the view, the day we're taping, I actually watched Fetterman on the view. I don't have a clip of it, but he seemed to do just fine. I, I, I feel very strongly that the people that were shitting on him are just assholes because it was just like, yeah, okay. Maybe he didn't do great, but he is clearly competent, coherent. Uh, he is recovering from a trauma. And that is, um, we didn't talk about this last week because it, it just happened, but the whole thing with Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi and the way people were uh, behaving around that is, is, is really horrifying that this was like an oh, a, a, attempted- just- uh, murder. This is hor- yeah, terrorist it's, attack. It's horrifying to see like people who are in Congress just make jokes, making jokes. It's awful, and also spreading just bullshit lies. Well, and you, let's not forget when. And I always remember that that joke, the Sarah Huckabee joke that was made at the White House correspondence dinner by Michelle War. Oh when yeah, when the joke was something like, you know. Her, her, she has to burn papers to of lies to get her smoky eye yeah. makeup, and people were hysterical. 
hysterical. hysterical over and that. And that was talking about someone's eye makeup. And it was like the most harmless joke, like in her whole lineup of jokes that to me was like, yeah. it was like and baby joke. I can find many reasons to fault Sarah Sanders, but like her eye makeup was on point. Yeah, I think it was actually a compliment. Like she, what she was trying to do was actually compliment her perfect smoky she, eye. Well, she always looked good. I yes. mean, she definitely did. Meanwhile, she's running for governor. Arkansas. So, so even though her opponent, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm very, I feel very stressed out. Yeah, it, 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 this is this is a period of a lot of anxiety. I hope that all of you listening are able to cope in healthy ways. <laughs> whatever your, I know, I know. your advice may be, I hope it's healthy. Yeah, okay. So, well, let's get into, um, we're going to get into that stress next with, well, guess who? Guess who? All right, it's been a long time, Terry, but it's happening. I've tried to secure our next guest uh, for the past couple of weeks, but it's taken till now because it's the final countdown. We finally landed Senator Jen Jordan running for attorney general. Here she is. Yay. Yay. The, the biggest get yet, I swear. <laughs> the hardest one. I mean, lately it's been it's been really hard. You've been all over the state. How are you feeling? I'm tired right now. We just got back from Albany. Um, we were down there with Congressman Sanford Bishop working on his reelect and just um, going to businesses and barbershops and beauty shops and, um, you know, just talking to people and really trying to make the consequences clear. What are, they, what it, are they saying? I mean, it, it's interesting down there because um, turnout in, so Albany is in Doherty County. Um, it, it, turnout in Doherty County has been very low. Um, and for example, I think there are 67,000 registered voters and only 11,000 had voted yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's not good because Doherty County also tends to be very democratic. And so those folks not turning out really can impact the election. And we saw that in 2020 when turnout in 2020, November wasn't high in Doherty, but then you know, uh, Warnock and Ossoff were able to go back during the runoff and really push those voters um, to get out. And I think they were part of the key to wanting, running, um, winning the runoff. So I think that that's a little bit of a concern, kind of the apathy down there. Yeah. And this has been, I mean, this, this Sanford Bishop race is a big deal for Georgia. And I don't know if everybody in the Metro quite realizes what a big deal it is for Georgia. Well, it's a big deal in part because Look, he's been, I think they said he had 16. This will be his 17th term in, in their two years, right? And he is the most senior member of our delegation. And for people um, who may not understand this, I'm sure all of the listeners do, but um, it is one of those things where seniority really does equal more things for your district. Oh, yeah. I mean, better you know, positions on committee and money and relationships and stuff that you can kind of bring to bear um, so that you can actually make sure the funding um, is getting there for your people. So the whole idea that they would kind of, folks would kind of push Bishop out for like a 36-year-old, 37-year-old Republican, um, I mean, it's going to, it would have real negative implications um, for the district and for the state. Definitely. Well, yeah, they, they would have now a representative who had lower seniority than Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
Nice. Right. Marjorie Taylor Greene would be senior to the person. Oh, and my that is- God. That's terrible. That's terrible. So what are they saying to you? Are they going out there? Did it move the needle or is it, was it effective? We'll see. I mean, look, a lot of people we talked to said they'd already voted. Um, we went into a nail shop and, you know, I talked to a few people. They had not voted. I said, you need to go now. I mean, part of the issue for Doherty was that they um, actually um, – <laughs> they pulled back their voting hours. They had a lot of places around the state are seven to seven for early vote. And Doherty was, was closing, closing up pretty early. And so I think that really impacted um, the ability for, especially people who work, right? Oh I mean, yeah. If you work, like it's almost impossible to get out of work by five, you know, and then get over someplace and then you've got kids and all the stuff. Right. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, hopefully that just means there's going to be real turnout on Tuesday. And um, there's a lot of, I've met a few people, they were going to have some big parties. It sounded like <laughs> uh, we went to a club. It was fun. I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's fun. Clubs are good. So uh, you're in the final throws, attorney general race. Um, you had your debate, been all over the state. You're just, you're winding down. What are the vibes right now, Jen? I think I have no clue what's going on. I mean, really, it, it's one of those things where we are having record turnout for a midterm. And if you look at the turnout, like as any good lawyer can, I can make a uh, an argument that the turnout looks really good for Republicans. And I can make an argument that the turnout looks really good for Democrats. And um, and then ultimately, I don't know who's going to show up on Election Day. And if all of a sudden there was this huge wave of Republicans that get out on Tuesday, um, you know, will the votes we have banked be enough or not? Or will we have people get out? I mean, it's such a crazy time right now. Yeah. Are the young people going to come out? Because I, I yeah. I keep hearing all these newly registered voters and all the 18 to 25s that they're going to be coming out on Tuesday. We don't know. I don't know. I mean, and and what's crazy about it is I think the biggest issue is that I think the down ballot Republicans are just counting on Kemp, right? And the way that Georgia has historically done it is that it was the top of the ticket and then everybody just voted that way all the way down. We don't really see that in the polling, but but who knows what people do when they go in there? Yeah, we I don't mean, know. I'm, yeah, I have no free clue. On Morning Joe this morning, it's funny, Jen Psaki was like, well, split ticket voters don't really exist and they don't, you know, that's just not a thing that happens. I think it is kind of a thing that's happening in Georgia, at least according to the polling, right? Yeah, and I think it, and, and I think there are real reasons for it. Oh, too. yeah. I mean, I think it normally doesn't happen. Right. But when you've got like a U.S. Senate candidate who has CTE and, you know, basically has put a gun to a woman's head and he he is a self-admitted domestic abuser versus a pastor. I mean, but, but too, they don't seem to care. I mean, that's that's the whole well, thing. Some people do. I think some, I th- yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I do. And I think the question is, do enough people. Right. Like, I mean, they're hard. Right. 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 That's the question. Yeah. yeah do enough because the there I know there are the hardcore Republicans who. They're going to vote for the Republican no matter what because they are they deludedly think that Mitch McConnell is somehow going to be able to manage a majority that includes Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker cannot be managed, just like 
Donald, Mitch McConnell, you know, like, oh, he can manage Donald Trump. No, he can't. Nobody can manage Donald Trump. He won't be able to manage Herschel Walker. He's going to have, I mean, it's, it'll be a nightmare. And I, I'm, I'm baffled that there are Georgians who all three of us talking right now know who are going to vote for Herschel Walker. And when they do that, they're putting aside not only a little bit of their own dignity, but they're putting aside the dignity of the entire state of Georgia because they're willing to throw our state under the bus to have that yeah, unqualified. Anyway. Right, but they could, they voted for Trump. So, you know. Because uh, of his policies. Yeah, so shifting gears, Jen, it was announced today that uh, Speaker David Ralston is um, stepping down. Uh, Terry gave some of her thoughts early in the podcast. Did you want to weigh in on that? Um, thank God I'm not going back to the state Senate. <laughs> um, um, it is going to be, look, Ralston is a Republican. He's a conservative Republican, but he's a lawyer and he's smart and he has sense. And so it's one of those things where he was really able to moderate some of the worst kind of things being pushed by Republicans in the House and really kind of, you know, he knew how to, he knew the rules, he knew how to use the rules, he kept his people in line. and did it very successfully. And behind the scenes, he saved us from, I mean, we've dealt with a lot the last few years, but man, it would have been way worse without, without Ralston. And, uh, and he really was the one who pushed through that mental health parity bill too. That's right. Even though Republicans were saying that it was going to help pedophiles or something. It was oh, the craziest. Yeah. It was like going to be the Bill Gates new world order pedophilia support act or something. Yeah. It, like just nuts. And he was no, it's bananas. Oh my God. And I, I remember when I started hearing that because that happened, it originated in the Senate. And I remember being like, he's going to burn that half of the building down. <laughs> like, yeah, no, and that's just it. And he, he, he reeled that in, right? He mm-hmm. made sure that, you know, the crazy got out of the box for a couple of hours and then he put crazy back in the box. And then we passed that great bill that's going to help people and Democrats are, were just elated about, it didn't go far, far enough for us, right? Um, but it was one of those things where it was a real, it's actually a good piece of legislation. And it almost got, you know, taken down by, by Crazyville. And, um, you know, and he stopped that from happening. And that's happened time and time again. I mean, and a lot of it are stories that people just don't know, which is, also why I have a lot of respect for him. And I know Terry has a lot of respect because we have seen kind of on the inside exactly kind of how he's pulled us back from the precipice um, a lot. So you, um, I I want a little behind the scenes uh, vision of you um, at the Obama rally. Obama came to rally. And he is very handsome, by the way. Uh, so he was, uh, had a, there was a big rally uh, near the airport with uh, uh, Stacey Abrams and Warnock and Ossoff and you. And, and it, was Nakima Williams there too? Was it, every, oh, yeah. everybody was yeah, there. Yeah, B. Wynn was there. B, of course. So can you set the scene? What, what was that like backstage? What, what was going on with Obama? Well, it was like all those people were back there and then... Um, was it uh, Jeezy? Is that the guy who performed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was it Jeezy? Okay. Yeah, so Jeezy's back there with his girlfriend. <laughs> like, they all have on sunglasses, looking fabulous. And 
you know, I'm just kind of back there. And then, you know, we do the photo line and, um, I mean, and he is as warm and as handsome, you know, in person. It, it was kind of, it's kind of weird, right? Like, you know, you're seeing somebody who's bigger than life and who, um, you know, doesn't have to be warm and nice, right? At this point in his life. And, um, and just was just incredibly, um, you know, he's nice, friendly. He talked to my son. I mean, and then just was like, you know, rooting for y'all and was just, you know, just really supportive. And so, look, it's been a long, almost two years. It feels like three, but, um, and so it was nice. It was nice to be able to see the president. Yeah. I mean, I mean so you oh had God, that, yeah. he, uh, Terry was that. And then the weekend before you had Kerry Washington. Kerry Washington, but none of it eclipses young jock. So <laughs> How could it? Still, that's still the highlight. So yeah, Jen, uh, Jen texted me uh, one morning and was like, okay, I'm about to go on streets 94-7. And I'm like, oh, with Young Jock, it's going down. Like I knew, I, I mean, because I actually worked with him on a project once. <laughs> and- I, I had no clue. I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm the biggest loser anyway, right? Like I, I don't, no. I won't listen to NPR and audio books. So. Yeah, no, I'd be like, is he on NPR? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, it's Young Jock. It's going down. Yeah, and I was like, it's just like, uh, but Jen's been on a couple of. You were on Young Jock, the Streets Morning Show. I think that's what it's called, like the Morning Streets or something. Yeah, and, yeah, Street. and uh, you were great. I mean, that was a great interview. I mean, they really asked you a lot of in-depth questions. I was very impressed by it. Um, since you've gotten very press savvy, well, a lot of it is kind of the radio stuff because of this amazing podcast I've done. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, no, it's, 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 you know, I think I told you that, that it, it is a lot easier to have these conversations because we've been doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the medium is, I'm very comfortable with the medium, you know, because it's just fun. It's like having a conversation with people. Terry and I were talking about this, like on the street, like, you know, or in the streets, you've been out there, you've been all over Georgia. And even though people are like, inflation is the number one, economy is the number one thing. Is that the number one thing you've been hearing, talking to people? No, I mean, look, people are hurting, but um, the people I talk to get that this really is a bigger, in terms of inflation and gas and all that, they get that it's a bigger global issue. Um, and that actually the U.S. is doing better than other countries with inflation in terms of, of being able to hold it down. Um, so, you know, people who are pay- really paying attention get it. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It goes back to what we said. I have no idea what's going on. I mean, look, you know, I've had great rallies, have had great support, have, you know, People are showing up. People are showing out all the things that that make you feel good about an election. But at the same time, I mean, there are things happening on the other side, too, that are making the Republicans feel really good. And so, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I guess we've been, you know, Terry, we've been asking to be in this place where we were so close, you know, that we're competitive. But I think we forget that all that means 
is that you have to compete and that really nobody knows. <laughs> no. And it is, it is, it is a miracle in so many ways that we are in this place in Georgia in 2022, that, that yeah, it, right. that it is this, you know, this close that we have two Democrats in the Senate and, and God willing come Wednesday morning, we're still going to have two Democrats in the Georgia Senate. And that's not a conversation that we even would have had a few years ago in Georgia. I mean, it, things have shifted yeah. quickly. It would have been crazy, right? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. So, um, no, look, we're, it, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's like, it's good. It's bad. It's like, it's up, it's down. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, it's kind of baked in at this point. I mean, I've even yeah. seen some negative stories about like the Kemp administration and everything seems to be rolling off. And in part because it's just so, it's so baked in at this point. Yeah. But nobody's. Yeah. I've been, although I, we were talking about this earlier and I don't want to get too much in, too in the weeds with this, but um, if you really want to see all the political ads, all you have to do is watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Dude, we watch Jeopardy every single night because I cook dinner and then we eat at 7.30 and watch Jeopardy. And I will tell you, I have seen all of the Republican ads again (laughs) and again and again. What's so so wild is Georgia's burning in the Walker ads and then Georgia is like the greatest place. It's, it's like Valhalla and the Kemp ads. It's like, which, I just don't which understand is it? it? That's the thing for me. It's like Kemp's like the economy is amazing because of me and the economy is awful because of Biden. And I'm like, what? Like, it, this just doesn't even make sense. It's like almost like multiple personality issue, you know, when it comes to the messaging. Well, we know how so, you fix I'm that. Good. You pray, right? I don't think that's multiple personalities. <laughs> I just am like, so is it good? Is it bad? Is it good? Is gas price up, down? Who's responsible? Who's not? It's like, it's almost like if it's good, you know, it's all me. And if it's bad, you know, what me? I mean, I've, I've heard him say that more than Shaggy does in his, in his song, <laughs> what me? right? I'm just like, come on, y'all. Well, your ads are on and they're very good. And they're also the ads with your opponent. And it's like, we must stop Jordan. So they at least, number one, use a cute picture of you and they pronounce your name right. Well, yeah, because they were trying to do it intentionally incorrectly in the debate. Yeah, I'll remember that one. Uh, um, Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, look, I mean, what's crazy though for me is that like you literally have like, Herschel Walker is a gun to the wife's head and everybody else and beat people, whatever it is, domestic violence. Ah. And then the next one is Jen Jordan, we must stop her. She missed a vote twice. I'm like, <laughs> is this a double standard? I've missed a vote twice, apparently. I didn't vote for something they wanted me to vote for, but I didn't vote for. Like, I'm like, I don't even understand. Like, this is your hard-hitting negative piece on me? I mean, so it's, it's uh, crazy. It's crazy. I've been really wondering about some of these Citizens for Sanity ads. These stri- oh, they're the worst. Those are awful. So I'm curious, and you may not know the answer to this, and Terry did look it up a little bit. Like, they don't ha- like, uh, and look, it's on NBC in Atlanta because it's on Wheel of Fortune and, and, um, and Jeopardy, and obviously there's a very hot ad buy, but are they required to, 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 can they say no to those ads? I don't 
don't know. I mean, because I know that they, that I think they can refuse if they think that it, it really does cross the line, you know? Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how much power they have to do that because in some ways they could then be accused of, um, you know, trying to limit speech, right? And so, you know, the free speech laws are pretty broad um, and protective of First Amendment rights. Yeah, and that's, so, yeah, that's what I found is that basically political ads are considered to be a political speech that is protected under the First Amendment and that because broadcast, like network stations, so you're talking, you know, in Atlanta, we'd be talking about, you know, WXIA, WSB, you know, the, the, the major, the, the main networks, they are regulated by the FCC. There's, you know, they're, they're using the public airwaves, they're licensed, they're regulated. And so if it's a legally qualified candidate, my understanding is they do have to run the ad, but they can also then report on the inaccuracy of the ad. They can say, hey, we just ran that ad. And what you need to know is that nothing in that ad is actually true. We've, we've checked this. Our journalists have I looked know, into this. I know, but that would take time would, and resources. And some and, of those well, ads... And, and some of the ads you're talking about are just like... They're awful. They're, they're just hyperbole. Well, they're just, yeah. And that's what that's where you get to the ads that actually aren't protected speech, which is the ones put forward by PACs. And, I, and, and, and they're not protected, right? I mean, there's they're not protected. And certain networks still choose to run some of this garbage. Yeah, it's awful. But I like the... Uh, straight to camera, Jen Jordan. I'm I'm here for you. And your hair and makeup Mary, look great. You know I'm here for you too. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, thanks, Jen. I'm glad you have my back. I'm here for you too. All right. Uh, I want to manifest this. So when you win on Tuesday night, what what's the first meal that you want? And it's all said and done. I don't know. I need to get my car service. I need to go to the doctor. I need to go to the dentist. I need, I mean, my house is a mess. You know. You've got a senior in high school. Like you got a senior in high school. Um, you know, I will say this. I am so looking forward to cooking uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, that's so good. That's good. I, I am ready to do dinner parties. I'm ready to go on spring break because I don't have to be in the Senate, Terry. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, I'm ready just for life to kind of normalize and where it's not constant, you know, this political stuff, because it's a lot. I don't think people realize um, just how much people sacrifice when they run or when they serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. You know, Terry knows because she's doing it. Oh, yeah. But Our kids know and they make sure we know. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you do it. Well, Jen, we are rooting for you like crazy. We will see y'all election night and uh, I'll be there. Yes. Everybody vote. Come on. Y'all got to get out. I, I, I'll tell you, I the, the thing that just eats at me right now is that women have got to get out. I mean, I'm just dying looking at the numbers. I mean, because we're holding steady, but it ain't anything like, like woohoo, right? Right. <laughs> right now. No, um, that's right. It, especially knowing what the electorate has been historically in Georgia. It's like, okay, where, where, are, where are the women? Well, no, I mean, they I, literally, they have stripped us on our life. I'm like, it's, at some point, it's like, all right, all right, all yeah. right, see, what I you don't, gonna do? 
I don't get it. I was out there that first day. I couldn't get out there soon enough. I, I oh, don't. I was too. Like, like first in line. So anyway, well, I love seeing y'all. All right, Jen. Senator, till January. I can only call you that for a couple more months. So I'm going to keep that going. Uh, and uh, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do with my Twitter handle. Oh, keep it. Keep it. Because there's going to be a new platform anyway. Twitter is blowing up. God. No, definitely. Yeah. Like, are you going to, are you going to delete your Twitter account? I said, well, not until after the election. Yeah, exactly. He he said, I don't think you'll do it then. No, (laughs) we're going to have to wait and see what happens. We're going to find the next shiny object. Jen, good luck. Uh, We're rooting for you, ladies. On the other side. Yeah. Catch on the flip side. All right. Well, there, there you have it. I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. She's nervous. She's exhausted. It's, it's like, it's been a lot. Like I, I have to tell you that I've been watching her. I didn't want to say this to Jen and I know she's probably not going to listen to this because she doesn't have time, but I have seen like just her life in the past. I mean, it's been busy for a while being close to her and knowing what's going on, but in the past, like three months, it's just been like nonstop. Oh yeah. Well, and Jen is such a workhorse. I mean, when, you know, just serving in the Senate, she, the, the work and effort and initiative, I mean, there's a reason why if you, if you were to poll her colleagues, her Republican colleagues, every single one of them would be like, yeah, she's a force. She's, you know, she's, it's, it's undeniable. Like she gets the work done. She has the receipts. She, I mean, she, and she threw all of that, because that's just who she is, right? And she just threw all of that into the statewide campaign. I can't even imagine doing a statewide campaign. It seems like such a relentless slog because I think it is a relentless slog. It is. Slog. It's just like the travel and the what are you eating and what are you wearing? And I've got to be nice to everybody. And then I've got to give another speech and I've got to talk to people. And now I'm looking at these numbers. I mean, just her talking about her going to that county and saying, what are you voting? What's going on? What's happening? So, I mean, I just, I'm in such awe and uh, I women, you got to call five women. I mean, again, it's like, I, I mean, we're preaching to the choir with this right, audience. Right. I Y'all, mean, you it, guys know it, you've uh, already voted, yeah. but Jen, I mean, Georgia is a better state because Jen Jordan has served in the Senate and it is a better state because Jen Jordan has run for attorney general. This is the daily show was in town. So a couple of, of notes on, um, that were, were, so we had, um, just I'll play one clip for, <laughs> Trevor Noah had a good one uh, about Herschel Walker. And I don't know if you've seen this, but Herschel Walker has gone from beefing with uh, reality to beefing with Barack Obama. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah, they've got a thing going back because obviously Obama roasted him in Georgia, right, over the weekend. And then Walker shot back, shot back that he could, quote, put his resume up against Obama's anytime. <laughs> First of all, it wouldn't even matter if Walker's resume was more impressive than Obama's because Obama's has a line in his resume that says, not crazy. (laughs) That carries a lot of weight in a job interview. But also, Obama was president. People, he was president for two terms. Herschel Walker can't even carry any of his pregnancies to two terms. What are you talking about? Are you serious right now? 
I'm, I'm kidding. His resume is impressive. I mean, any, any resume is impressive when you can just make it up, right? I was a cop, I was an FBI agent, a ballerina, I discovered nitrogen, I also am nitrogen. The list goes on and on. <laughs> I am nitrogen. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Uh, so that was, I didn't get tickets to that. I missed, I have a little FOMO that I missed it, but you know, what are you going to do? What do you do? I missed it. It's okay. So what's your election night plan? I will be with Jen. I'll be with you. I'm, I'm going to, I usually make the rounds, um, you know, to, well, <laughs> I make the rounds, but I don't stay out late because I do eventually want to be back in my soft pants with my laptop and my iPad and my phone pulling up all the different results and I, you know, I, cause I'm following all these statewide races, but I'm also following a lot of these house races and Senate races to see, you know, to sort of get an idea of what we're going to be working with. Like, what is the foundation? You know, we don't know what leadership is going to be like now in the Senate or in the house. And so I'm watching a lot of these house races to sort of get an idea of, you know, what are the caucus makeups going to be for the Republicans and the Democrats? What are, you know, what are potential strengths that we have? What are we going to be able to build off of? Are we, you know, I think there are some really strong policy-minded Democrats I know who are going to be coming into the House, and I'm very excited about this. And there are a couple of seats that are on the bubble that I'm anxious about. So I, you know, I'm going to go to all the big events, and then I'll eventually make it back to my own sofa. All right, I, I, I I'm going to go to Jen's thing too, and I'm just. <sighs> that's all I have to say. Uh, we'll regroup next week. Yeah. And uh, Christina Laringer, thanks for uh, being on the scene and getting this done. Oh, I will say I'll, I'll be watching Oklahoma because yes. I, because I am interested, you know, getting, we talked to Jennifer Welch a couple weeks ago. So that that's, I mean, Georgia, there's just so much to say. Nobody knows, but like, I'm looking for like one crazy upset like that. Like, you know, something really weird or or maybe it's the other side too, where it's like, yeah, you we know, don't, that we don't know. That. There might be something that is, yeah. isn't even on our radar because we're so consumed by Georgia that is is going to be a bit of a gobsmack. So, you know, and again, you're seeing what's going to happen. Of course, I want to know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania. I want to know what's going to happen in Arizona. You know, um, Oklahoma is a huge one that I'm watching and we'll... We'll, we'll know when we know, I guess. Uh, uh, I don't know what it's going to be. Red, blue, purple. Um, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>